Good afternoon and welcome to From Where We Are, stories of news and culture through the lens of Southern California and USC. I'm Sana Mahmood, coming to you live from Studio B in USC's Annenberg Media Center. And I'm Kevin Gramling. It's Monday, February 27th, 2023. On today's show, a Ukrainian student shares the anxieties around having family in Ukraine amidst the ongoing conflict with Russia. Sometimes I'm just going to Google Maps to see my house from the photo. A student dance group gains new status on campus. And the latest victim of this crazy winter weather, Thornton's Music Complex. All that and more on From Where We Are after these news headlines. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill today giving him more power over Disney's special district. DeSantis now holds control over the five-member district board, already appointing several Republican key players, including the co-founder of the conservative organization Moms for Liberty. A human smuggling boat carrying 120 migrants off the coast of southern Italy crashed Monday, with 62 pronounced dead, including 10 children and one infant. The 66-foot-long boat originating from Turkey was carrying civilians from Iran, Pakistan, and Syria. The 29th Screen Actors Guild Awards took place Sunday, featuring a historic moment for actor and USC alumni Kei Hui Kwan in becoming the first Asian male to receive the Outstanding Supporting Actor Award in the film category for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. While accepting his award, Kwan shared inspiring words for actors everywhere. Please keep on going because the spotlight will one day find you. Nintendo is calling today National Pokemon Day, marking the game's 27th anniversary. The original Pokemon Red and Pokemon Green games debuted in Japan on February 27th, 1996. Those are some of the top stories in the news. A year since Russia invaded Ukraine and the conflict continues. We hear from a Ukrainian student who has been impacted. Sarah Han has the story. On February 24, 2022, the lives of Ukrainian citizens changed forever as Russian rockets were fired into the country. Over a year later, the conflict is ongoing. Annenberg Media covered the breaking news story in 2022 and has continued to follow it in the past year. On the one-year anniversary of the invasion, Annenberg Media is following up on the story with a testimonial from a Ukrainian student. Masha Suvchek is an international student from Ukraine whose life has been severely altered as a result of the conflict overseas. While her father, grandparents, and other loved ones are in Ukraine, her mother moved to the United States to find employment. For the past year, Suvchek's life has been riddled with anxiety about the goings-on at home in Ukraine. She recounts how she first heard about the start of the war last February. It was 11 p.m. when I saw first like messages and uh, kind of like weird to me messages about uh, what's going on in Ukraine. I started to t- text my mom and dad, is everything okay? And they said, no, the war started. We just we woke up because of the rockets. Being so far from home has affected Suvchek's view of the conflict. She remembers what Ukraine was like before the war and has been unable to go back home since. 
Sometimes it's hard for me to imagine because I wasn't there when the war started. And I remember my home country as it was at that moment. And everything that I see is just like photos from the Ukraine. And it's hard for me to imagine that it's real. Suvchek's own family, specifically her grandfather, have faced direct repercussions as a result of the war. One of her mother's friends was watching the Russian news and saw that the TV and radio station where Suvchek's grandfather works was being targeted. Thanks to that tip, Suvchek's grandfather and his employees were saved. My grandparents asked all his employees to go to go home, and he went to the bomb shelter. And the rockets bombed the plant, and the plant was ruined partially, but all his employees were saved because of the my mom's friend. This togetherness and cooperation between Ukrainian people has served as an emblem of hope for Suvchek to hold on to. In this time of severe hardship for her country, she still remembers the beauty of her home. Ukrainian people use their unity and generally like mentality, culture, food, everything of this, like even places, infrastructure is a lot different like from here so sometimes I'm just going to google just google maps to see my house from the photo. The war has not only affected Suvchek's personal life but her education as well. When the conflict began she was studying at a university in Florida. Due to financial hardship as a result of the war she was unable to continue her studies there. Luckily USC was able to provide both a home and an education for her. I had like a lot of problems with housing because I literally couldn't afford housing uh, there. And uh, my mom came to me. So, and we found volunteers at USC that helped us with housing for summer. And we were living in the USC dorms for the whole summer. And then during the summer, I was able to transfer to USC and got a scholarship. Suvchek is one of many Ukrainians affected by the war, and her story serves as a reminder of the immense hardship being felt abroad. As the conflict in Ukraine continues, there are ways for USC students to help. I keep donating and helping, like, whatever I can. Uh, and just, like, generally supporting by words and um, respecting all the refugees that come to the U.S. is uh, very helpful for us, and uh, we really appreciate it a lot. For Annenberg Media, I'm Sara Khan. Expressions, a student dance company on campus, has recently managed to become, a recognized, uh, become recognized as a recreational sport by USC. This new status, which allows for increased opportunities for funding, provides a huge relief to its members. Matt Chen has the story. Until this month, the Expressions Dance Company secured all funding themselves by collecting $75 in dues per semester from all 35 dancers. However, reserving USC's Bovard Auditorium for their semi-annual showcase calls for $3,500, leaving the group about $900 short each semester. Additionally, Expressions does not charge USC students to attend their shows, making finances even tighter for members. 
In previous semesters, the company resorted to fundraising through the sale of various baked goods, along with scouring USC's undergraduate student government's judicial board for more support. However, the cha-cha for cash may finally come to an end. Now that the team has the foundational support of the Recreational Council on campus, its leaders are hopeful that more funding will enable a seamless showcase and a decrease in overall angst for members. Junior Expressions dancer Kate Hammond spoke about the grueling process of becoming a rec sport. Because like we struggled with like obtaining like rehearsal rooms and like we've been able to like rent Kaufman, but sometimes that like doesn't work. So you have to be a minor and then we'll go into like PED, but you can't like rent those rooms out unless you're in a rock sport, I'm pretty sure. So like we get kicked out of rooms all the time. Usually the money expressions saved throughout the semester would waltz its way to renting out the auditorium, but this will change with the new funding. But normally it goes towards renting out Bovard for the show because it is like a few thousand dollars to rent it out. And I'm pretty sure now that's included in like being a rec sport is that they'll rent it out for you for one or two semesters. Hammond also touched on some benefits that expressions will gain from joining rec sports. I think it just allows us to, first of all, perform like without having like the huge stress of having to like rent out Bovard with like our own money and like company money. Also just like obtain rooms to rehearse in and practice in without like being stressed that they're gonna like kick us out or like that we don't really have like a space to practice. The semester's showcase will be held April 8th in Bovard Auditorium, featuring 13 choreographed numbers as well as a full company piece to close the show. What's more, this step may pave the way for USC's other dance groups to achieve better funding underneath Rec Sports' umbrella. For Annenberg Media, I'm Matt Chen. So Kevin, I know you have a lot of passionate feelings about the rain this week. Um, yeah, so I tried skateboarding in the rain today <laughs> because I was kind of late for a class. And I, Did you fall? I didn't fall, but have you ever hydroplaned on a skateboard? (laughs) I think that's what was happening. It was a disaster. (laughs) I think I've learned my lesson. Mm. I'm Kevin Gramling. We're glad you're with us for From Where We Are. And I'm Sana Mehmood. It's 10 minutes past the hour. Coming up, Thornton students go on Zoom due to heavy rains damaging crucial infrastructure. The rain is coming for Thornton students. Due to damage from recent weather, the School of Music has been forced to conduct classes online. Here's Natalie Lozano with the story. While Los Angeles attempts to recover from the unusually powerful winter storms, all electricity is out at the main building of the Thornton School of Music, called the Music Complex Building. The building is expected to be closed for at least a week, perhaps longer. The beat goes on, classes have been moved online, but Zoom is not optimal for music students. You know, the audio on Zoom is not exactly high-fidelity music quality. With the building closed, Thornton students are concerned about missing rehearsal and class time. They need to prepare and practice for their upcoming midterms. I actually was supposed to have my drumming midterm um, this week. Sophomore music industries major Fiona Kessler plays electric drums, but not Thorn this week. But um, because they are electrical drum kits, um, we're unable to use them and therefore I'm unable to prepare and actually play for my midterm Um, and that class specifically too is held on Zoom and um, it's very challenging to learn drums and progress in the class when you can't physically play the instrument. 
Kessler has lived in L.A. all her life. We've never really been able to take on these extreme weather conditions. The city really isn't built for such strong conditions, and um, it usually doesn't have to deal with it. So that's why I think we were seeing a lot of flooding this past weekend. Water got into the circuits at Thornton. That's what caused the electricity to go out. Much of L.A.'s sewage system is 80 years old and not built to accommodate for the millions of people who live here today. Performance majors have been the most affected since the building closed. Asia Fuqua studies popular music performance, but not for now in the Thornton building. And I'm just surprised, honestly, that the storm took it down because I feel like it wasn't that big of a storm and the building probably should have been better prepared for that. And that maybe says something about um, the amount of money that they've put into certain renovations and things like that. Although not all majors and classes at Thornton have been affected, USC is coming up with alternative spaces that music students can use. More rain is expected this week, but despite these weather conditions, Thornton students play on. For Annenberg Media, I'm Natalie Lozano. And now, the segment we call Full Disclosure, in which we look at how and why we make certain journalism decisions here in Annenberg Radio News. Today's topic is how we make decisions about certain words and language we use. We talk with Equity Board member Marlise Duncan. Recently, um, there was an email that was sent out by Annenberg Media discussing the change from Latinx to Latin, the discussion about this change, its possibility. Um, what kind of thought and discussion goes into a change like that? Yeah, so we tried to broaden the, the discussion as much as possible. So initially, when it came to us through um, a piece in the newsroom, we were like, oh my gosh, how do we bring this up? Mm -hmm. So initially, it started with a conversation amongst Equity Board themselves, which is a board of about seven-ish people. But from there, we knew that we the onus couldn't just be on us to change language, uh, especially with how our newsroom communicates. So from there, we invited folks from Vimalo to come in mm -hmm. and then our executive editors to come in to chime mm -hmm. in so we can have a broader discussion on where do we see this term being used? Do we see it uh, amongst our peers? Do we see it in uh, other newsrooms across the U.S.? And then we went from there. Right, right. So as of now, this change is still being discussed? Yes. Okay. We wanted to make sure that we had data to back up what uh, yeah. we were doing because, you know, when you're on a campus that's primarily made up of Gen Zers, mm -hmm. we tend to see that our language progresses uh, a bit quicker than mm, yeah. uh, folks who are older because I, I think we're more in tune with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but we wanted to make sure that if we were going to change a term, it was used in that community. Mm. It was going to be used by folks who were millennials, Gen X, et cetera. Yeah. Right. Um, and we found just like looking at data uh, previously when we were deciding if we wanted to do uh, to change um, Latino to Latinx. Mm -hmm. Um, we saw that like only 4% of the U.S. population used Latinx. And we were like, okay, mm -hmm. so if such a small percentage uses it, do yeah. we integrate it then? But then it became a discussion of how much of that 4% is like Gen Z. Right. 
and mm. when our audience is primarily Gen Z. So how did you decide then if it was such a little percentage, like you said 4%, we're using Latinx, how did you decide then that we're still gonna go ahead and change to that? So in this newsroom context, we knew that, um, well, mainly we saw it used in a lot of other contexts outside mm. of our newsroom. Mm -hmm. So it, it only made sense that we would follow suit. Um, but because we were seeing like affinity groups changing their names and the fact that we are primarily Gen Z and a lot of it was being used in common language, Absolutely. then the switch felt a lot easier than something like Latine, which we aren't seeing as much as Latinx because I think mm -hmm. people grew comfortable with the term. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now we have to, uh, see how we're going to transition into this change all over again. Like we saw a few years ago. Wow, yeah, that's so helpful. Like this insight, your work at the in the Equity Board is so important. Again, this is Marlies Duncan from the Equity Board here at Annenberg Media Center. That's all the time we have here for to this segment today. But thank you so much for coming in. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And that's all we have time for on today's From Where We Are. Valeria Diaz and Clémence Fenyo produced today's show. We had help from Nina Mutedot, Jack Smith, Lexi Klein, Shade Far Farjami, Dana Hammerstrom, and Jason Pham. Our board operator is Fernando Senfuegos, our live stream manager, Rebecca Zhao, and Derek Renfro composed our theme music. We're also streaming live on YouTube at Annenberg Radio News. Subscribe to us from where we are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And finally, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Annenberg Radio. I'm Kevin Grambling. And I'm Sana Mahmood. From all of us at Annenberg Radio, wherever you are, we hope you'll join us again for From, from Where, where we, we Are. are. <laughs>